Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. When I was a boy, I grew up in the suburbs of Los Angeles. I was a city kid, um, and uh, summers were spent, however, on my grandfather's ranch in eastern Oregon. He was a cattle rancher. And uh, he had this catfish pond, and and somebody years earlier had stocked this thing with catfish, and then nobody had fished it for years. So this thing was bursting with fish. None of them were longer, I think, like than eight inches Mm -hmm. or ten inches, but there was probably a thousand Mm -hmm. in there. One of my favorite things to do as a boy was uh, I dig up some worms in the yard. You know, get some night crawlers, put them in the Folgers can. red coffee can. And and uh, my grandfather would drive me out because it was a ways from the farmhouse. And he'd drop me off and he'd say, oh, you know, be back in, in a couple hours for you. I could have spent all day there, mm-hmm. you know, the little red and white bobber, put the worm on <laughs> and just sit there and just catch catfish. I mean, I was a hero, right, yeah. because I could catch these fish. Anybody could have. You probably could have caught fish there without – a worm on the hook, you know, but it was the perfect boyhood place mm-hmm. because you could catch a bunch of fish and it was such a ball. And then I remember just kind of sitting there on the bank and watching the wildlife and the, you know, the blue herons would come in, the muskrats and the different things that were kind of going on around the pond while I'm watching my little bobber on the water waiting for it to, you know, plunge. And, you know, I've got my 60th catfish on right. the line. right. <laughs> Boyhood. What do you remember from boyhood? You know, for me, um, there's kind of two things that come to mind. I was raised on the farm my first six years of life, and I didn't really have too many friends, guys. But I had my dad, and my brother was four years older than I was, so he was off to school. And uh, and I had my dad to myself, and he would take me wherever he went. And, you know, in farm life, that was usually driving the tractors on the combines, that right. kind of thing, right. going to the gin. I mean, those were such great years. I, uh, I long for those years of being with my dad alone out in the expanse of a farm, doing all those things, working with the right. equipment, being between his legs, right. driving up and down the rows on the tractor. I mean, that comes to mind. And then when I moved into the city, it was finding friends and playing army in the neighborhood and clod fights and BB guns and all of that. So right. um, those things really come back to mind when you say that. We went to the mountains um, just about every weekend, spent most of the summer up in our cabin up in, uh, in the local mountains. So there were the the playing the army, there was the World Series, the Indy 500 that mm-hmm. all the boys on the street – we played in, and, and this was the real World Series, you know. This was the real Indy 500. You're talking about Sandlot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Racing around the block, 500 laps. Right. Our mothers and sisters hosing us down as we went by, <laughs> and giving us sack lunches. And, right. uh, you know, it was uh, – and then we'd go in the mountains, and it was – you know, looking for the robber's roost and where the gold was and throwing rocks and certain that there was a bear stalking me. It was mm-hmm. right. It was yep. city fun yep. and it was mountain fun. Yeah. You know? 
when I think of boyhood, I just think of endless summer days when it just felt timeless. We would explore, adventure, ride bikes down to the little store, and we found a series of trails in the woods behind our house eventually with bike jumps and we go to the local swimming pool and just hours of playing yeah. with our buddies. Yeah. Oh, the public pool. Yes. And I remember, you know, my dad would work right up till dinner most days, but on a rare occasion, he would show up at the public pool. And now, as I think about it, it almost felt like a celebrity came. And he grew up near the beach in Miami. And so he's a swimmer and he'd get in the pool. And I just remember the feel of holding on to his shoulders as he'd swim through the yes. water uh-huh. and just remember how strong he felt and how powerful I felt because I held on to him and how safe and it's just just the delight of the father's affection. Friends, thanks for joining us. If you are just tuning in, this is John Eldridge and our plan is to do a six-part series of podcasts on the masculine journey. And I've asked Bart Hansen, Morgan Snyder, Craig McConnell who um, partner with me here at Ransomed Heart to join me in recording these to tell their stories and to dialogue about the stages of the masculine journey. There is a book uh, out uh, this spring called Fathered by God in which I describe the path that every man must take. It's written so deep into the fabric of a man's soul, into the earth itself, the way that God created men to live. And there are these stages from boyhood to cowboy to warrior to lover to king to sage that every man must journey through. And there are things that we need to receive in each stage that kind of uh, set the the foundation or, or establish the base for the next stage and and there are wounds that we take in these stages that are very particular to that stage. And so what we're going to do is explore over the next six weeks the stages of the masculine journey. Today is boyhood, which for purposes of understanding, I think I'd put it you know, somewhere between birth and about age 12 would be the, the stage of boyhood. And boyhood is a time of exploration. It's a time of wonder. It's a time where a boy was meant to live in a world where he felt absolutely safe, completely secure, like Adam felt in the garden, and yet free, free to explore, free to learn, free to adventure. I'm sure like Adam felt. I mean, God gave Adam this extraordinarily beautiful world and basically said, go for it, here, explore, you know, live. And and this is true. This stage is true for boys, whether they were raised in the city or the country. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I remember growing up, you know, in the suburbs of Los Angeles, and it's mostly asphalt, and it's you know, a lot of streets and a lot of cars and shopping malls and strip malls and all of that. But we would still find this. My friend Danny Wilson and I were convinced that we could dig a hole to China. <laughs> <laughs> I we did that, too. I see. I know <laughs> How that. How deep did you go? It almost <laughs> sounds unbelievable because I was like, "Oh, come on!" Every you know, every boy says that, but we honestly thought we could, and yeah. we we got about eight feet down. Wow, that's pretty good. You know, and and we gave up, but then it turned into a really cool fort, right? Yeah. And we actually uh-huh. reinforced it with wood. We kind of uh-huh. put up like wood walls in it, and and we even had a little roof on it, and we'd just go 
sit in the hole. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Sit in the hole with flashlights oh, and yeah. food. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. Come on. You weren't yeah. just sitting there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Playing with those little green army men. Yeah. 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 Remember those? <laughs> Above all else, though, the time of boyhood is the time of knowing that you are the beloved son. Yeah. I wrote in Wild at Heart that every boy has a question and the question is, do I have what it takes? And I still hold that to be the core question of a man's life. But there's actually a previous question. There's a previous need. It might not even present itself as a question, but it's more of a core longing <laughs> in a man's heart, in a boy's heart, and that's to know that you are your father's beloved son. Mm. As David says in the Psalms, keep me as the apple of your eye, mm. right, in the wonder of your great love. And we have a couple of horses that we keep here in town now. They're at some stables uh, near us. And one of the horses was sick and I had to call the vet and, and meet him over at the boarding stables. And so the vet came over and he brought his son with him. And uh, I think this was last summer. I was immediately captured by this little guy because he was glued to his father's side. He would hold his hand as they walked to the corral. He'd stay really close to him and watch while his dad was working. He got to wear the stethoscope. Mm. He got to carry the dad's kit, you know, his, mm. his old bag of uh, medicines and, and implements mm -hmm. and stuff. But about three times during the experience, he would look up at his dad and say, Dad, I love you. Isn't this the best day ever? And what blew me away was he believed it. Yeah. This boy wasn't pretending and he wasn't putting on a show for me. It was almost as if I wasn't there. He was so glued to his father and holding his hand and looking up at him with longing and admiration and, you know, I want to be just like my dad. And but this little boy, I'm guessing he was six, knew he was loved. Yes. He knew that his father adored him. And it just, it just struck me probably because of its rarity, mm. you know, that I don't see that a lot, you know. Um, I don't know how much I experienced that. I had my dad when I was young. Um, he was a traveling salesman and he was in like paper goods and then garden products and he was pretty busy during the year. You know, he'd, he'd work late and in, down in Los Angeles where I think was the headquarters and so I'd see him at, you know, 7 o'clock at night kind of thing. And, but in the summers, in the summers, he would go calling on these accounts around the West, his territory and it was Idaho and Oregon and uh, and he'd take me with him and so I got – what felt like months with my dad, mm, right, you know, right. hanging out together, going the A and W, you know, staying at Moe's Alpine Chalet, and and uh, and then fishing wow. together uh, on the weekends. Those were the golden years. That's when mm. I really had the sense that uh, I'm special. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I remember those early years on the farm, being with my dad alone, and my aunt and uncle lived number of miles away on another farm, and, and uh, we were coming back, and there were a lot of tornado and bad uh, storm warnings out. And um, I remember my dad pulled off to the side of the road when we were driving back to our house, and uh, there was this tornado that was moving towards this little town out in West Texas. 
And my dad pulled off the side of the road, and, and he obviously knew that we were out of harm's way. But for me, seeing this incredibly, you know, storm and, and a tornado moving right, across this field, violent. I'm thinking we're in, in peril. But my dad, he, he stopped the pickup. He took me out. He put me up on the fender of the truck, and he came back behind me, and he put his arms around me. Mm. And we watched this tornado move across this field, mm. and it hit the edge of this town. And we just saw, you know, houses explode, that kind of thing, and just right in front of us. And I'll never forget being in his arms yeah. and, and feeling yeah. my dad's protecting me. I'm in the protection of my father. Nothing mm. will come to harm mm. of me in this very dangerous situation because I'm safe in the arms mm. of my father. Mm. I'll never forget that. And I was, I think I was probably no older than four or five, but that yeah. that memory mm. burned into my mind. And yeah. it's, it's very vivid to this day. I can close my eyes and I'm there. Mm. This knowing that you are your father's beloved son, is the foundation for everything else. Um, Because a man's journey, as we're going to explain in the next six weeks, involves a lot of trial. It involves testing. It involves initiation, training, strengthening the man, building wisdom and courage and integrity and all those things in him. But if you don't get this, if you don't have what Bart was feeling sitting there you know, on the bumper of the truck or what I saw in the, in the son of the vet, if you don't have this kind of base of my father adores me, then everything that comes after feels like abandonment. It's like why is life so hard? Mm-hmm. You know, where is God in this? How, mm-hmm. how come everything has to be hard? You know, and mm-hmm. I'm blowing it. You know, I'm just the idiot. I can't get life together. Or God just doesn't care. He's just not coming through for me. Some version of that because the man doesn't know he was the beloved son. And then he hits age 30, 40, 50 and makes a little money. And then he just starts self-indulging, mm. right, buying toys, getting the boat the extra car, goodies, and all that stuff. He's trying to fill something in his soul. I don't look at that with contempt the way the culture does. Right. Oh, men in their midlife crisis. Sure. Look mm-hmm. at this idiot. You mm-hmm. know, There's a story behind <clears throat> it. There is. He's trying to repair something. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get something that he didn't get in his youth. So did you know that you were your father's beloved son? Do you feel like that? that foundation was poured for you? I don't have any memories of, um, of being the beloved son from my stepfather. I mean, any father-son moment turned into more of a wounding experience than a, me feeling like his delight. So I'm one of those who just, this is like, mm. when I was exposed to these thoughts, I just felt like, wow, this is something I have never experienced. Mm. I have to find somewhere. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 John, as you share that, I think of so many stories where my heart resonates with my dad's strength providing a place for me to be loved. I think of when I was a little boy and I'd go into his office and he had this mini fridge filled with Diet Pepsis. And I knew I was the son of the doctor's office. I could do whatever I wanted. I'd pop a Diet Pepsi and saw the secretaries and realized this was my dad's place. And I was thinking about it that when I was in high school, I made a little Diet Pepsi pyramid in my room. And I couldn't have told you why at the time, but I realized, wow, 
I wanted to be like my dad, and there was a safe place. And so, wow. so many of my memories were the beloved son. And yet, as you're speaking, I'm realizing how often I feel like life is up to me. Mm. Why is it so hard? And so, I know deeper than that, there's still many unresolved answers mm. or unresolved mm. questions. Yeah. And, and while I told that story about my dad, you know, at that early age, um, I've only recaptured that thought in the last few years because I think what's been left with me is more of a father that I really didn't know that question, that I was the beloved son. Because I think of his wounding and and his struggle with alcohol and and where that took him in the later years of my life, I got that um, I was on my own, Mm -hmm. that that I had to figure life out for Mm -hmm. myself. So Mm -hmm. while I had that early memories, I think most – of my life, I've lived not knowing I was the beloved son. And what was the fruit of that? How did that manifest itself? Oh, you know, it just drove me to seek validations and, you know, in, in ways that uh, I, I see now, you know, work hard. That's how you're going to get his, his affirmation, you know, um, just busyness, mm. drivenness, you know. Mm. I think that's what that ultimately brought mm. is seeking that validation. Wow. How do you guys see this play out now? Where are you looking for this? And how is God bringing this to you? Yeah, I think I remember being with you guys, uh, you know, five years ago when we were doing something similar to what we're doing right around this table. And um, I think it was because of you guys that I prayed for the first time and asked God, you know, would you father me? Mm. Um would you come in and start to feel that void? I mean, I'd never even had the presence to pray that prayer mm-hmm. up until that time. Yeah. And that has begun a journey that is still underway. Mm-hmm. I've got a long way to go in that, but it's brought something that's been mm, it's good. Been really good. Really good. Part it's similar for me that I began this summer for the first time through a pretty big crisis in our family of praying the prayer, God, would you father me? And It was amazing that something core in my heart began to shift Mm -hmm. where what I believe shifted and therefore how I saw shifted. And I began to see every day in the very small ways just the father's affection, his personal way with me. And so I think for me, John, I look at it more Mm. on a daily basis of just the, the kindness and the strength of him showing me that it's not up to me, that at the mm. core of my belief system, it's no longer a fatherless view, but that there's someone on my behalf. Mm. I remember reading the story of Jesus in the temple at, I think he's age 12, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's two days, the caravan's out of Jerusalem, right? And his parents realize he's not there and they go back and find him. And, and one of the things I was so struck by was the confidence of Jesus, hmm. you know, um, I don't think he's being rude when he says to his parents, well, where, where did you think I would be? Mm-hmm. But in my father's house, there, there's something settled about yeah. his soul. Mm-hmm. You know, the issue is resolved. I am my father's mm-hmm. son. Right. Mm-hmm. That I, oh man, I, I think I have to say I'm, I'm still on the on the empty side Mm -hmm. uh, of that gauge. You know, I feel like my tank is more empty than full on that one, that so much of my fear, my drivenness, um, so much of my search for affirmation, do you love me, do you Mm -hmm. like me, you know, all of that feels like it comes out Mm -hmm. of this place. 
because though I did have my dad when I was young, you know, then I lost him through yes. through alcoholism and, and he really checked out. And I feel like I'm just now beginning to say, God, um, whoa, the, I didn't get what I needed in the boyhood stage. There are things that, you know, deep doubts in me, uh, even just about love and about being mm. beloved mm-hmm. that I'm asking God to come and heal now. Yeah, right. So true. There's so much more that we would love to say. The podcast doesn't allow us to. Uh, much more is contained in the book, Fathered by God, which is uh, kind of a re-release of a book earlier that we put out called The Way of the Wild Heart. And so join us next time uh, as we work through the next stage uh, and on through the, the five other stages of the, of the masculine journey. But in the meantime, I think the next step for us is to say, Father, Father me. Uh, Just a simple prayer that, Heavenly Father, we ask you to come and we ask you to bring to us the things that we didn't get Mm. in our boyhood, whether it was the safety or the exploration or the sense of wonder, the sense of being prized and enjoyed, just a sense of being adored and being the beloved son. Father, we invite you to come, come to us and work these things deeply into our hearts. Uh, We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you loved it. We love getting your feedback as well. If you're enjoying these podcasts and would like to leave us a comment, please visit the iTunes store and do so. And by the way, all of our audio resources are now available for purchase through the iTunes store. You can find our resources and our other podcasts by searching for either Ransomed Heart or John Eldridge on the iTunes store. And to find out more about Ransomed Heart, our podcasts, our events, and all of the things that we're offering and doing, come to our website at www.ransomedheart.com.